Hi, I'm Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. This week, we're going to go into part two of overcoming anxiety from a biblical perspective. And I'm really excited to be sharing these very practical and biblical principles with you because I know anxiety is something that so many women struggle with, and it hinders us from stepping into that outward life that God has called us to live as Christians in today's world. So if you didn't catch the first episode, I encourage you to go back and listen to that as you are able. Meanwhile, I also wanted to let you know that we have an amazing series available to listen to right now on our Daily Thunder podcast. This is a series my husband Eric has been doing for the past few weeks, and it's so powerful. It's spiritual lessons from black and white America, and it's such a unique approach from a Christian perspective to the cultural issues, the sort of hot topics that can be so confusing for us as Christians, and it's really easy to get kind of locked into the conservative mindset and say, well, we just need to be against all of these people who stand for all of these terrible things rather than having a truly Christ-centered approach and a Christ-centered perspective. So he walks us through American history and opens our eyes to things that some of us may not be aware of and then applies biblical truth and how we can take those lessons from history and really respond in a Christ-like way to some of the most challenging issues in our culture today, whether it's the race issues, the kind of woke culture, the gender confusion, everything that is out there that we as Christians need to know how to respond to in a healthy way. And so I encourage you to check out the link in this podcast description or go to ellersley.com and click on Daily Thunder if you'd like to watch the videos. So let's go into part two of a biblical mindset towards anxiety. Now, as a refresher, a reminder from last episode, we highlighted one of the first keys to overcoming anxiety, and it's remembering the faithfulness of God. When we focus on the fact that God has been faithful to us, and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we remember his faithfulness to us in the past, it is so much easier to have a childlike faith that he will be faithful to us again. And I want to go into the second principle for overcoming anxiety and give you a little bit of a intro into that by sharing with you a couple of really amazing stories from Christian history. And the first one is European missionaries who were going to Africa back in the 1800s when the country was first opening up and some of the unreached tribes were finally reachable with the gospel, but it was very dangerous. And so a lot of missionaries from, especially from England and from other parts of Europe were feeling called to go and to bring the gospel to these remote parts of Africa, but it was extremely dangerous. There was violence. There were a lot of superstitions in these tribes. So a lot of times they saw foreigners as a threat and they would kill them. There were a lot of diseases because going into to a totally different climate with different viruses and bacteria, the missionaries weren't physically strong for that. And a lot of them died. And it got to the point where there were so many missionaries dying, but the need was so great because the gospel was finally starting to make an inroads that there just were not enough missionaries to continue to water the seeds that had been planted. And so word kept getting back to Europe to say, please send more missionaries, please send men and women who are willing to come to a dangerous place and bring the gospel here. And it got to the point where missionaries would come to replace the missionaries that had died. And they started to pack their belongings in a coffin, not in a suitcase or a trunk, because they knew they were not coming back. They went to give up their lives on the mission field. And whether God allowed them to live for a year or two years or five years or 10 years, they knew they were not coming back and they were willing to die on that mission field to bring the gospel to the unreached. 
And that's a breathtaking story to have that kind of courage to go exactly where you know is probably going to cost you your life. You know it's one of the most dangerous places you could ever be, but you were so passionate to reach those people with the gospel, with the hope of Christ, that you're willing to make that sacrifice and you're willing to boldly and courageously go where other people won't go. There's another really amazing story about a man from India who became a Christian through the work of some of the early missionaries there to his part of India. And he lived in this village that was very superstitious. And the chief of the village found out that he became a Christian and called him and all the other villagers together and really challenged him and said, if you do not renounce your faith in Jesus, we are going to kill you and your whole family. And he would not relent. He said, I know Jesus is real. I know he has died for me. I know he set me free. I cannot turn my back on him. And they said, this is your last chance. We're going to kill your children if you do not renounce your faith. And he said, I have decided to follow Jesus. There is no turning back. His children were killed. And then the next decision was his wife. Do you want to see your wife killed in front of you? And he said, the cross before me, the world behind me. I will not relent. I will not renounce my faith in Jesus. So his wife was killed. And then it came down to him. Are you wanting to lose your life now? You've seen your family die. Will you also give up your life or will you renounce your faith? And he said, though none go with me, still I will follow. He lost his life that day. And the chief was so impressed by that kind of courage, that kind of faith to say, if Jesus is so important to him that he would give up his life and his whole family and they would not uh, turn their back on this God, then I want to know this God too. So he commanded the entire village to become Christians and the gospel came to that area through that man's courage and sacrifice. And that is where we get the song, I have decided to follow Jesus. There is no turning back, which is really interesting. A lot of times we sing that song without knowing the history behind it. But what gave these men and women that kind of breathtaking courage, that stunning courage that we see in both of those stories from history. I believe it comes down to the principle of surrender, complete and total surrender of their lives into the hands of the one they loved more than their very lives. It says in Revelation 12, 11, they triumphed over him, meaning Satan, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Now, the only way we can walk in the footsteps of those spiritual heroes is to surrender our lives completely and fully into the hands of the one who died to save us, not to cling to our lives, not to cling to our own agenda, but to constantly lay it at his feet constantly lay our lives at his feet and not love our lives so much as to shrink from death. If he calls us to give up our lives to serve him, that we willingly and gladly do that. And that is a work of grace within our soul. It's not something we can muster up and try to convince ourselves is a good idea. But I love this statement Corrie Ten Boom made in her book, Tramp for the Lord. She talked about being in a German concentration camp where death was all around her and how living on the threshold of eternity and knowing she might lose her life at any time actually delivered her from anxiety and gave her even greater courage. This is what she said. When you are dying, when you stand at the gate of eternity, you see things from a different perspective than when you think you may live for a long time. I had been standing at that gate for many months, living in barracks 28 in the shadow of the crematorium. That's where they burned the dead bodies. Every time I saw the smoke pouring from the hideous smokestacks, I knew it was the last remains of some poor woman who had been with me in Ravensbrook. Often I ask myself, when will it be my time to be killed or die? But I was not afraid. Following Betsy's death, God's presence was even more real. Even though I was looking into the valley of the shadow of death, I was not afraid. It is here that Jesus comes the closest, taking our hand and leading us through. 
Many of us assume that clinging tightly to our lives and our own plans and agenda will protect us from bad things and deliver us from anxiety. But in reality, as Corey is saying, the opposite is true. Complete surrender to our God is an amazing cure for anxiety. And that is because when we have nothing to lose, we have nothing to fear. As Jesus said in Mark 8, 35, whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. If you are struggling with anxiety, ask God to bring you to the place of willingness to surrender everything, every part of your life in future to him. Once we have truly laid our lives down at his feet and given him the pen to write our story, we will find there really is nothing to fear. As a missionary, Otto Koning once said, when you don't own anything, you don't have to worry about anything. And that is so true. And that includes our very lives. When we come to Christ, we transfer ownership of our lives over to him. Our lives are no longer our own. They have been bought with a price, the price of Christ's precious blood. And we need to remember that he can take far better care of us than we could ever take care of ourselves. So if you have struggled with anxiety or are currently struggling with anxiety, I encourage you to ask God to infuse you with the grace to freshly surrender your life to him, to live out those words that we see in Revelation, to not love your life so much as to shrink from death, that you live in the reality that Paul said, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. And we just place our life in his hands and we know that he is in control and he cares about us more than we could ever imagine. Surrender is an enormous key to freedom from anxiety. Another principle is to embrace God's refiner's fire. We need to know and understand that God often uses challenges and difficulties to purify us and make us more like himself. He doesn't always bring the challenges. Sometimes they're attacks of the enemy. Sometimes they are results of our own wrong decisions, but he does leverage those difficult circumstances for his glory, for his purposes in our life if we trust him. And one of the best ways to overcome anxiety is to embrace the tests of faith and the moments of refinement that he sends our way rather than fighting against them. We can be sure that he will never bring us through something that we can't handle through his strength, as it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and that his grace is sufficient for us in any situation, as it says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and that he refines us as an act of love and not harshness, as it says in Proverbs 3.12. One of the most amazing demonstrations of willingness to embrace his refiner's fire that I've ever encountered is from Darlene Dibler's testimony of being captured by the Japanese during the Second World War and sentenced to death as an American spy. She was a young woman in her 20s, and she had already lost her husband to the harsh conditions of a concentration camp, and she had suffered tremendously as a prisoner of war. And on top of everything else, now she was being taken to the most terrifying prison on the island where she was to be tortured and placed into solitary confinement to await her execution at the hands of the Japanese. As she was being led into the Kempeitai prison, Darlene said to God, Lord, you took Russell, who was her husband. Must I now also go through this? And immediately he spoke to her heart, my child, it's the ones that I love that I discipline and refine. And her response to him was immediately, okay, Lord, I am available. 
Because of her willingness to surrender to God, even in the most difficult of circumstances, he worked so mightily in her life. Her prison cell became a sanctuary where she dwelled in his presence day and night. He showed himself faithful to her in truly amazing ways, and she impacted countless lives for the gospel as a result. He miraculously spared her life and delivered her from certain death just minutes before she was scheduled to be executed. When we embrace God's refining fire, instead of resisting it, we can trust that he will strengthen us, not weaken us through the hard things that we walk through. 1 Peter 1.6 says, Now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that is the miracle that happens within us when we embrace his refiner's fire. Our faith becomes more precious than pure gold that has been tested and purified by fire. Our lives bring glory to his name. So rather than pushing away difficulty, let's allow him to use it in our lives in a mighty way. Let's yield to his loving refiner's fire. And as Amy Carmichael gave the illustration, see in this moment, the moment when your flesh tries to rise up, see in this moment a chance to die. When those difficult things come, even the small things, when we say this is an opportunity to die to myself and to yield to his refiner's fire, that is how I will be made strong in my faith and be made more like my Lord. He doesn't just beat us over the head with difficulties just for the sake of difficulty. He uses challenges in our life to refine us and purify us like pure gold. And that is really a loving gift from our faithful father. And that helps us overcome anxiety because we recognize that there is a purpose to every hard thing we need to walk through. And it's a loving, beautiful purpose that leads to closeness and intimacy with him and a stronger, more fortified Christian walk. The next principle that I want to highlight is to remember the hope of heaven. Another way of saying that would be keeping eternity always in view. When Stephen the martyr gave up his life for the sake of Christ in the book of Acts, he was not despairing and fearful, but joyful and radiant. I think that's one of the most amazing things about that story because his gaze wasn't fixed on the hatred and the violence that was all around him. It was on Jesus Christ and the hope of heaven. He wasn't pining after worldly praise or comfort. He was longing for the applause of his Lord. And so when he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father, waiting to welcome him into his presence, it was everything Stephen ever hoped for. It didn't matter that he was being violently stoned to death, that everyone around him absolutely hated him and wanted to die a terrible, painful death. The only thing that mattered to him was that he was going to be with the one he loved more than life itself. When we live in light of that hope of heaven, we have nothing to fear because even if we lose our lives, we know that we are headed to a much better place, eternity in the presence of our beloved Lord. In October 1931, there was a missionary named J.W. Vincent, and he visited some believers about 18 miles from his mission station, which was in China. This was a very dangerous time for missionaries in that part of the world, and a lot of them were being killed by bandits. And while he was traveling, the area he was going to was overwhelmed by a group of 600 bandits intent on killing him and any other foreigners that they saw. And they asked him, are you afraid? As they menacingly waved a gun in front of him. No, he replied with complete assurance, if you shoot, I go straight to heaven. And when news of Vincent's death reached his missionary friend, E.H. Hamilton, he was so inspired by the way his friend had responded in the face of death that he wrote the following poem. It's a beautiful reminder that when we live in light of eternity, we truly have nothing to be afraid of. Afraid of what? 
to feel the Spirit's glad release, to pass from pain to perfect peace, the strife and strain of life to cease, afraid of that? Afraid of what? Afraid to see the Savior's face, to hear His welcome, and to trace the glory gleam from wounds of grace? Afraid of that? Afraid of what? A flash, a crash, a pierced heart? Brief darkness, light, O heaven's art. A wound of His a counterpart? Afraid of that? Afraid of what? To enter into heaven's rest, and yet to serve the Master blessed? From service good to service best? Afraid of that? Afraid of what? To do by death what life could not? Baptize with blood a stony plot? Till souls shall blossom from the spot? Afraid of that? Beautiful poem, and it puts so much into perspective. Let's never forget that this world is not our home. We are living for something far better. As Paul said, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. No matter how strongly anxiety has tried to hold you in its grip, God's desire for you is to be totally free from fear and filled with extraordinary courage. We've talked about four key principles, remembering his faithfulness, surrendering afresh to him every single day, embracing his refiner's fire, his loving refiner's fire, that it may purify us to be like pure gold in our souls and to remember the hope of heaven and live in light of eternity, not to live for what this world has to offer, but to keep our gaze on what is waiting for us in eternity. I would encourage you to allow him to take your hand and lead you from a place of fear and anxiety to a place of victory, faith, and triumph so that you really are walking in the reality of Philippians 4, 6, to be anxious for nothing. Remember, it is always safe to trust the one who gave everything for you because when we have Jesus, we truly have have nothing to be afraid of. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into some of these principles, I encourage you to visit setapart.org and look at the many resources that we have for you there, including our online mentoring program, which has a four-part course on overcoming fear. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.